Well, here we are the first Sunday in May, and I think you will agree with me, uh, there have been a lot of changes over the last six to eight weeks or thereabouts. Uh, some of them, which quite frankly, I think are good, and then probably some of them that aren't so good. Um, but now the conversation is, boy, I can't wait till we get back to normal. Well, you may not agree with my next statement, but I'm, I'm not so sure we wanna get back to normal. Because at least from my perspective, there were some things that we were doing before this whole coronavirus thing took place or began. There were some things that I, I, I had hoped maybe we could figure out a way to do differently and do better. Uh, and then probably some things that we were doing that I wish we would sort of forget how to do. But nevertheless, um, we are now moving into a new, into a new month. And uh, so here at Church in the Mall, we're going to be beginning a new series a four Sunday series beginning today on the book of Ruth. Now the book of Ruth is one of the two Bibles, one of the two books in the Bible that have a woman's name, obviously Ruth being one, Esther being the other. We don't know exactly, scholars don't know exactly 100% for sure who the author is, but they think the author was probably Samuel. It's only four chapters long. It is actually a very powerful story set during the time of Judges, which in, at that point in time in history, it was a, a horrible time. There was famine, there was, there was division, there was unbelief, there was disobedience, all kinds of things going on. Now, I don't want you to think that there was nobody around trying to live a godly life. There were a lot of folks trying to do that, trying to live by the law of Moses uh, with, with a personal knowledge of God, but it was a difficult time. Some would say that the book of Ruth is a romance novel, but ultimately the book of Ruth is about redemption, God's redemption for God's people. The story is basically about, as you can imagine, Ruth, who was a pagan. She was a member of a hostile race called the Moabites. She was a stranger to the covenant of Israel and what it meant to understand and know the living God. And the book of Ruth then helps, helps her transform from one who knows little or nothing about God to obviously becoming very dependent upon God. It begins with the reality of, of Amalek and Naomi. Amalek is the husband. Ironically enough, his name means my God is king. He and his wife Naomi with their two sons reside in Bethlehem. There's a great famine going on, as I think I've mentioned. Not a whole lot of hope, not, not, a, not a lot going on in terms of bettering one's life. And so Amalek makes the decision that he's going to move his family away from Bethlehem and take them to Moab. A bit, a bit of a, a quandary here because his name, my God is king, but yet he's moving away from what appeared to be trusting in God for, for his welfare and the welfare of his family. But nevertheless, Amalek and his wife, Naomi, and their two sons move away. Not terribly long after they move away, Amalek dies. He dies and, and, and leaves, obviously, Naomi as, as a widow. During the course of this time, the two sons grew up and they actually married Moabite women. One of them married Ruth, one of them married Orpah which again created some, some difficulties because Israelites and Moabites, there, were a lot of, there was a lot of things. To, the Moabites practiced human sacrifice. They, there was a lot of things that they did in terms of immorality. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense. 
But then Naomi sort of decides, hey, I'm a widow, I'm childless, my two sons are dead, my husband is dead, I am a stranger in, in this land, and I have no heirs, so I'm going to move back to Bethlehem. I'm going to go back to a point of origin for me. Scripture doesn't give us a whole lot of information what was Naomi's thought process in this other than that. And so she's going to move back. She hears that things are better in Bethlehem. So she begins the process of heading back to be there. And initially, the two daughters-in-law join her. But as she begins the return trip then, she basically says to them, this, this is not a good idea. Go back to your mother's house, find rest, and perhaps even find a husband. Again, Naomi's position, I'm a widow here. I have no more sons. Even if I could somehow get married again and have more sons, you're waiting for them so that you could marry them. That, that just doesn't make any sense. How long would you wait? And so it's at this place then that I wanna pick up with, with three passages, three verses of scripture, uh, beginning with verse 15 in the first chapter of Ruth. Because I believe that these are foundational to understand the remainder of Ruth and how God was at work, how God allowed for Ruth to, to, to accomplish some things based on commitments that she makes, how God works through her to accomplish what God wants. I do believe that not only did that happen, but then I think we'll find at the end of this some applications for our life today. In verse 15, Naomi is speaking and she says to Ruth, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. You need to go back too, Ruth. But Ruth's response is this. Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And that's found in the English Standard Version. Ruth's response to Naomi, I believe, spells out a significant commitment on her part that actually has several points. And let me take a look at those for, for a moment. The first thing Ruth says to Naomi, where you go, I will go. That's making a commitment that, that bound them together from that day forward. We are going to be together. Ruth, as a childless widow, moving to a land that had few legal rights for her, probably had a number of prejudices, if you will, but this didn't stop her. She committed to Naomi that she would, she would go all out, that she would go through the good and the bad, go out on a limb, if you will, and do the appropriate thing, at least in her mind and in her heart. Reminds me of a little story, and, and I guess it's a bit of a humorous story, although at the same time not, about the chicken and the pig having a conversation about having breakfast. And they converse between each other and decide that they're going to have bacon and eggs. And after a few moments thought, the pig chimes in and says, wait a minute, chicken. You're gonna be providing a few eggs for this breakfast Whereas if I'm providing the bacon, I'm giving you my whole life. Maybe a bad illustration, but at the same time, Ruth saying to Naomi, 
I'm all in. I'm willing to give my life to be with you. And that's my plan. Where you go, I will go. Ruth's commitment went beyond that. And it says, where you stay, I will stay. No, Ruth probably could not have known exactly what was going to happen. She could not have known where they were even going to end up or what their well-being was going to be, how they were going to be taken care of. But she believed somehow, some way that God was in the midst of this and God would provide. And that Naomi, I guess at some level, knew what she was doing. I recall when my wife and I made the decision uh, that we were, we were being led into ministry and we made our first significant move along with our three young children, we moved to Louisville, Kentucky for me to go to seminary. And what I remember is that it was a difficult transition in the sense that we had no clue what was going to happen. We didn't know how some of the bills were going to get paid. We, did, we just didn't, we had no friends down there. We had no relationships with people. We were very uncertain, but we also believed we were doing the right thing. Just as Ruth believed she was doing with Naomi when she said, where you go, I will go. Where, where you reside, where you stay, I will stay. Ruth also made a commitment to Naomi. Your people will be my people. Now again, Ruth had not been to where she was going to be going. She had not settled among the people. She didn't know their customs. She didn't know their expectations. She, there were probably some language issues. Yeah, for sure she would have known some things. It's not that different. But at the same time, a lot of unknowns, a lot of uncertainties. During the course of my ministry, I've been blessed with the opportunity to go on a lot of mission trips. I've been to Haiti a couple times. I've been to Cuba. I've been to Mexico a couple times, Dominican Republic. One of the things I found, even though the trips that I took were short term, they were one to two week trips. There was a big adjustment from me as an American to wherever the country I was going to be in. A pretty significant adjustment in customs and things of that nature. One of the things they told us was important before we went was not, not to try to make them like us, but rather to find ways to adapt their culture. In talking with missionaries over the, over the last 25 years of my ministry, missionaries, Thailand, Africa, uh, Central America, South America, what every one of them said was they went in and it took them sometimes a year, sometimes more, just to become comfortable around the people and to have the people become comfortable around them. Then they were really able to begin their ministry. For Ruth to say, your people will be my people, that's pretty significant on her part. That's a commitment. Ruth also said to Naomi, and your God will be my God. Ruth was willing to renounce her own idolatrous roots and turn to a God that she could just simply have faith in. Ruth was willing to make a personal commitment, not knowing what it all meant, not knowing exactly who God is, but trusting in faith that the same God that loved Naomi and had cared for her and watched over her all this time would provide the same thing for her as well. It required a personal commitment on her part. It required her recognition of a need for a good, strong relationship with God. She needed to turn from her old ways and turn to her new ways. And then the last, the last component of the commitment she makes, where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Man, that's, that, that's pretty significant as far as I'm concerned. 
again, it's her validating, it's her reaffirming, I'm going to be with you, Naomi, for the rest of your life. I have agreed to become a part of you. It's almost like saying, till death do us part, which for those of us that are married, we, we certainly remember that phrase in our wedding vows. But that's a significant claim on Ruth's part. Naomi, there's nothing going to separate us. I am committed to you. I will be with you until death. She recognized that this, this, this whole commitment thing was not multiple choice, not picking and choosing. We are in a culture today where it seems like the word commitment doesn't mean nearly what it used to mean. Commitment means that we'll stick with something until something happens that we don't like, or we'll stick with something until something better comes along. Not with Ruth. Ruth's commitment was for life. It was for life. And that's where we basically leave off with chapter one. Ruth has followed Naomi back to Bethlehem. Naomi has some plans. And as you will see, those plans will unfold in, in the, the chapters to come, particularly chapter two. What's it mean to us today? It means to us, for those of us who claim Christ as Lord and Savior, God made a commitment to us through his son. And he calls us to make a commitment to him. And that commitment says, follow me, follow me. And today in these uncertain moments, our commitment to Christ needs to be as strong as it ever has been. We need to be willing to say, Lord, I'm not sure what you've called me to. I'm not sure how you want to use me, but please do. We need to make sure and what we need to say with our life is that, that it reflects that commitment to him. Knowing that whatever God may be calling us to, he will make it a way for it to happen. No matter what God is calling us to in these trying and challenging times, God will provide. And so I want to encourage you in these days ahead, in the commitments that we've made, have a smile on your face, be excited, knowing that the commitment we've made to God, God will honor that commitment to us and will bless us even through these days. Amen.